I will bless the Lord at all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad on this Thursday morning. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I greet you as always with Jesus' joy and I'm certainly grateful and thankful to have this opportunity to connect with you for yet another portion of our New Testament word walk from the St. James Missionary Baptist Church located here in the city of Rocky Mount, North Carolina. I pray and trust as always all is well with you and yours on this blessed Thursday and pray and trust that you are ready to dive into the word of God as we are about to begin our walk through Paul's letter to the Colossian church operating under the theme of developing kingdom people. Um, we've got a very insightful lesson today uh, that is going to center itself around the very first chapter of Paul's writing to the Colossian church. So I wanna invite you to join me now. Make sure you've got your note-taking material. Uh, I pray by now that you've accessed your handout uh, via the QR code that you see in the screen, top corner of the screen, or by visiting the St. James Missionary Baptist Church website, www.sjmbc-rm.org, and click on the New Testament Word Walk uh, link in the headline banner, and it will take you right to that place where you will be able to access um, all of our previous handouts from our previous lessons. So before we get started, let's take a moment, let's pray. Let's invite the presence of God into our time in the word as we get ready to walk through God's word together. Pray with me now, if you will. Come Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all of your quickening power, Kindle a flame of sacred love in these old hearts of ours. Father, we say thank you for this day. Thank you for life, for health, and for strength. Thank you that we're closed in a right mind, able to move from one place to another with a reasonable portion of health and strength upon us. Now, God, as we prepare to walk through your word, as always, I ask for clarity of speech, clarity of thought, that we will rightly divide this your word to these your people. Speak to us, speak through us, that everything we do say and think be found pleasing in your sight. This is our prayer. We offer it now in the name of Jesus, we pray and we praise. Amen, amen, and amen. So if you were with us on last week, we took time to do a quick overview of the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians, uh, several things that we said last week. Of course, we said that this was one of the prison epistles uh, that Paul wrote. Uh, we realized that the Colossian church was the church that was uh, taking, having service, taking place, worshiping inside the home of Philemon. Um, we said last week that the Colossian letter, uh, the Colossian church, if you will, was a little bit different from the other Pauline epistles because whereas with the other churches uh, that Paul wrote to, he had a hand in starting. We're gonna see today that the Colossian church was not started by the apostle Paul. Uh, we're gonna see that as we walk through the word of God on today. Uh, we're gonna deal with, as we walk through uh, this writing, we're going to deal with uh, some of the false teachings that were risen up amongst the Colossians with an attempt to basically uh, water down their gospel message. And actually, if you're not careful, it was there to basically pull them away from the gospel, to pull them away from being the kingdom agents that they were designed to be. And so what we're gonna see in this particular uh, walk through the word of God, what I want us to see more or less is to see the importance of our lives as believers, as kingdom believers, how we can overcome some of the distractions that are set before us as kingdom believers, how we can stand in the assurance of being who we are supposed to be and knowing that we are who God says we are. Today, I want to try to zero in, if time will permit, we're gonna take a look at the entire first chapter. If not, we'll pick it up next week. But I wanna take a look at it. Um, it is very, very insightful, very impactful, even though it is basically only, watch this, four statements. Four statements make up the first chapter 
of the book of Colossians. So let's dive right in and let's walk through it a little bit. Uh, let's take a look, if you will, at the first uh, two verses. First two verses are pretty much the greeting. Today, I'm operating under the subject. Today's lesson is entitled Prayers, Preeminence, and Priorities. Prayers, Preeminence, and Priorities. When we think about the development of kingdom people, I'm talking about kingdom prayers, kingdom preeminence, kingdom priorities. Um, let's take a look at the first two verses. Colossians chapter one, uh, verses one and two. The word of God reads English Standard Version. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ and Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. What are we seeing here? Already we're seeing, first and foremost, Paul's usual greeting. Uh, Paul's usual greeting that he would greet uh, each one that he wrote to. He wrote basically uh, the same things. And so, as we have seen already, when we compare this passage, those first two verses, to the first two verses of his letter to Philemon, we're seeing the same thing, all right? So when we think about what Paul is saying, he's greeting them, but he is wishing them grace and peace. That is basically, I want to make sure that God's favor and God's well-being are on your life. All right. Paul, Paul is basically making sure that they understand that what I'm about to share is actually designed to help you grow in your faith and in your relationship with the Lord. Which brings me to verses three through eight, all right? In verses three through eight, we are actually dealing with, watch this now, these four, five, six verses are only one statement, all right? Let me read them to you. Verses three through eight, this is one statement. Paul says in that place, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Now, if I were to tackle this and start going backwards, we would begin to see first and foremost that according to verses seven and eight, Epaphras, point 1A, Paul writes to Epaphras that the kingdom was for all who would receive it. All right. What we see here is that Paul saw the scope of the gospel as universal. God's good news in Jesus Christ is not for a certain few. It's not for just a few folks. It is basically there for us to bear fruit and to grow. Verse seven lets us know who he was writing to. He was writing to Epaphras. Epaphras, according to some historical uh, concepts and historical commentators, is believed to have been the founder and the teacher or the pastor of the church at Colossae, all right? Epaphras was a citizen of Colossae. But he had come in contact with Paul, according to Acts chapter 19, he had come in contact with Paul and was converted to Jesus Christ. And so since he had been saved, he had now begun to share the gospel with those of his hometown in Colossae. And what he basically shares with them is that we want to make sure, point number letter B under number one, that kingdom people always maintain what I call a cross mentality. I want to take a moment to deal with that. 
a cross mentality. What is a cross mentality? Well, you know how a cross is. Let me get it right. Amen. <laughs> a cross. You've got one piece that goes horizontal and another piece that goes vertically. All right. When we think about a cross mentality, vertically, letter one under point B, that should represent our faith in Christ. Our faith in Christ, vertical. We go upward. The faith in Christ should always intersect with our love for the saints, right? God is heavenward. God, God comes down. God is vertical. Our brothers and our sisters are horizontal. What's the point that is trying to be made here? The point that is made here is making sure that as long as we allow the intersection between, watch this, faith and fellowship, we should be able to develop a stronger uh, uh, relationship with God and with our brothers and our sisters. That is the whole point to which Paul writes. That is the basic message that he's wanting to get over. All right. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has solved our problem of sin through his death, burial and resurrection. And because of that, we now have fellowship one with another. You all have heard me say it before, that in order to have true fellowship, we cannot act like we're the only fellow in the ship. Amen. Amen. Point number one under letter B, the faith in Christ, vertical. The love for the saints, horizontal. When there is that intersection, then we are able to develop. We cannot develop as kingdom people until we have love for Christ, love for our fellow man, faith in Christ, and fellowship with our fellow man. Kingdom begins when faith and fellowship intersect. Can I say that again? That's a message for every church. True fellowship begins when faith and fellowship intersect. You cannot act like you're the only one that's got it all. You cannot act like you're the only one that's got all the God. You got to realize that there are others who are experiencing Christ for themselves. And as they experience Christ, as they walk with Christ, as they walk with God, their faith is increased. And then we are able to work together to represent the kingdom. All right. Look at what he says. He says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, since we heard of your faith, there it is, and the love that you have for the saints. Right there, verse four, because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard, be heard before in the word of God, the word of the truth, the word of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. It is bearing fruit, letter C of point number one. His second, his third piece of the prayer, all right? Second piece of the prayer. First piece is that we'll have a cross mentality between our faith and our fellowship. The second piece is that our fruit should always be increasing. Letter C, fruit in the Bible represents what our lives produce as Christians. When we think about our Christian walk, we think about our Christian living, the question that must be asked is, what are we producing? What are we producing? You know, when God wanted to explain what knowing him would produce in the lives of people, he used the word fruit. All right. Fruit has three characteristics. You may want to write this down. It is visible. It reflects the nature of the tree that it grows on. Point number one under letter C, fruit shows us who Christ is in our lives. It not only shows us, it shows the world. What we produce shows what's in us. Amen. If you think about some fruit trees, if you got an apple tree, that should be producing apples. If it is producing anything else, something is wrong. If it is supposed to be an apple tree and it's producing oranges, something ain't right. 
Well, that applies even to us spiritually. If we are kingdom believers, we should be producing something that reflects our Christianity. Let me make it live. If you call yourself a believer and you got a nasty demeanor, something's wrong. If you call yourself a Christian and your actions, your attitudes and your atmospheres, as we've been talking about in the Old Testament lesson, do not reflect the Christ, something is wrong. As we've been talking about it in the book of Leviticus, our worship should leave a sweet smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. That aroma is going to either draw or drive. If it's done right, it's going to draw. Amen. It's going to draw. Fruit represents who Christ is in our lives. Fruit is visible. Mm-hmm. Fruit reflects the nature of the tree that it grows on, and it exists for somebody else's benefit. For that cause, God, Dr. Tony Evans says, is concerned that what we produce is in keeping with who he is. In other words, as the word of God teaches us, we should let our lights shine before men that they will see our good works and bring glory to God in heaven. Fruit not only shows who Christ is in our lives, but number two under letter C, the fruit, what we produce reflects the nature of the word in our lives. The nature of the word. In, 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 verse, in verse five, he says, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. That means that basically, according to verse five, verse five, once we've heard the truth, once we've heard the word of truth, it ought to make a difference in our lives. It ought to make a difference in not only what we represent, but in how we represent. Okay? Everybody has faith in something. But faith is only as good as the object in which the person puts his trust. All right? The true Christian believer should have faith in Christ. But that faith is based upon the word of God. Romans, Romans, Romans 10 makes it clear. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? In other words, you've got to have a foundation for your faith. And for the Christian believer, the foundation of our faith is the word of God. Romans 10, 17 makes it clear. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. Our faith is founded upon the word of truth. That's one of the reasons why the word of God is called the good news. Amen. That's the reason why it is called the good news. It is there to save us and bring us to a right relationship with God and then allow us to properly represent God in everything that we do say and think. Amen. Amen. Fruit shows who Christ is in our lives. Fruit reflects the nature of the word in our lives. Fruit, number three, allows others to come to know more about Jesus. This is what he's asking for, right? Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, He's been a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Look at this. And has made known to us your love by the spirit. So, so we continue in verse nine through verse um, 12. We see the remainder of the prayer. Another statement. Look at what he says. Colossians one verses nine through 12. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Please let me stop right there because there is so much in that one verse that needs to be broken down. I I need you to really see what Paul is actually praying for. All right. Look at what he says. Verse nine. He says, I'm praying that you are filled with the knowledge of his will. All right. Every believer needs to have the knowledge of his will, the full understanding of his will. The only way we can develop into becoming kingdom people is we've got to be willing to have a knowledge of his will over what we want. I want to say that one more time, because if you catch what I said, you'll catch a powerful revelation. We must strive every day of our lives to want to know more about Christ, to come to a knowledge of Christ. That's one of the reasons why kingdom people, as people of the kingdom, we need to strive every day of our lives to be found reading God's word praying over God's word, praying over our lives, connecting with people who think like we think and have faith like we have. You need somebody in your life that's going to push you forward and not hold you back. May I say that again? You need somebody in your life who's going to see your potential and is going to push you into your potential, push you into your next. See, everything in your life is not necessarily for you. The word of God makes that clear. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are what? The ways of death. All right. In other words, if we are striving to obtain the knowledge of his will, I'm about to say something. No Christian should walk around acting like they have arrived or don't need to learn anything else. Mm hmm. We got to We got to realize that the will of God is an important part of our successful life. If we're going to be kingdom people. We've got to make it a point in our lives to do two things. We got to understand it and we got to know it. Amen. In other words, in other words, God is not the kind of God that is going to give you orders and never explain why. That's why we got the word. That's why we have the book that we call the Bible. The Bible is designed to help us. All right. Let, let me let me let me reference one scripture real quick. Go with me to John 15. John's gospel, the 15th chapter. And, 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 and let's look real quick at verses 12 through 17. Let me reference one passage of scripture real quick. John 15, beginning at verse 12, English Standard Version. You there? Watch the word of God. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Look at this, y'all. If you do what I command you. There it is right there in verse 14. Verse 15. No longer do I call you servants because the servant does not know what the master is doing. Come on, somebody. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. In other words, he's not just going to throw us out there and then leave us out there. He said, basically, I'm going to equip you with everything that you need. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to reveal it to you. I don't have to hide anything from you if we're friends. Lord have mercy. I don't have to hide anything from you if we're friends. Verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that, look at this, y'all, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You see, as you study God's word, 
As you pray, as you develop a relationship, you are then coming into a full knowledge of God's word, will, and way. And every day of our lives, beloved, we have got to really work at getting to know God in a more personal way. Every day of our lives, we got to work to have a stronger and a closer relationship. Every day of our lives, not just Sunday, not just when it's convenient, but every day of our lives, we ought to develop a closer walk. We ought to want a closer walk. We ought to desire a closer walk with them, with him. Paul, Paul says, look, look, I am praying that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. Right. But look at what he says. I need you to be filled with it so that you will have all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In the language of the New Testament, the word filled, as we see it here in, in verse nine, simply means to be controlled by. When you are filled with God's spirit, you are seeking to be controlled by God's spirit. So that's what Paul is praying for the church. And that's what we ought to be praying for ourselves and for one another. God, take total control of us. Have your way with us. Move in our hearts, move in our lives, move in our spirit. Not me, but let you come shining through. Good God Almighty. Amen. How do we do that? How are we filled with the spirit of God? How are we filled with the spirit of God? We are filled with the spirit of God, according to Paul, by means of all wisdom and spiritual insight. Mm -hmm. We understand the will of God through the word of God. And as we understand the word of God, the Holy Spirit teaches us as we submit to his control. All right. We got to learn how to basically submit to his power. Amen. We got to learn how to submit to his power in all spiritual wisdom, in all understanding. Father, take total control of me. Amen. Amen. So as to walk, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let me keep going. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you, Lord have mercy, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What, 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 what is Paul's prayer? Paul is praying for three things. Number one, number one under letter D, prayer allows the Christian, first of all, to endure during the hard times we will be strengthened with his power. We will be strengthened with his power. What good is spiritual wisdom and what good is understanding if it is not properly used? It must be properly used, right? Verse 11, look at it one more time, that we are strengthened. NIV says, with all power, we are empowered according to the might of his glory. Mm. In other words, we have his dunamis, the anointing of God, and then we have his kratos, his manifested power. In other words, the power that is in our lives is there to show us the way and then show us how to do what he commands us to do. Number one, it is there to endure us through the hard times. Secondly, Paul prays, number two, that we would be equipped for the present time. Mm-hmm. Being strengthened with all grace, with, with all power, rather, according to the glorious might, 
for all endurance and patience with joy. Mm -hmm. And then to come back and say that we may be qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Amen. In other words, look at what he's saying here. God has given us something. He is called it an inheritance. Now, think about this for what it's worth, y'all. Look at this. An inheritance is something that is often given at the end of a journey. But according to Paul, we have the inheritance right now. Mm. Dr. E, e, Dr. V. Raymond Edmund says oftentimes that too many Christians have a tendency to quit when circumstances become difficult. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 we got to understand that we've got to learn how to operate, according to verse 11, with endurance and patience. Patience is basically being able to endure. It's not a matter of just sitting back on our blessed assurance, waiting for something to happen. Patience is basically saying, I'm going to keep living until God does it. I'm going to keep doing until God does it. I'm going to keep serving until God does it. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep worshiping until God does it. Whenever he does it, however long it takes him to do it, I am going to trust him that it's going to be done. Amen. Amen. We, we got to realize that God is preparing us. God is preparing us. And so as kingdom people, with a cross mentality, having faith in God and fellowship intersecting, we should be able to produce something. We should be able to produce something. And our produce shows who Christ is. Our produce shows us where Christ stands. And when we produce something, we gotta understand that it's not gonna always be easy. It's not gonna always come together easily. Some things are going to require patience. James chapter one, verse two, my brothers, count it all joy when you go through divers temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse three, and then you must allow patience to have its perfect work. You know, some things are not going to be easy. Everything is not going to come over easy. And I hear Dr. Mark Gibson saying that if it comes too easy, it might not be worth holding on to. Amen. So we must pray. And when we pray, prayers allow us as Christians to endure hard times. It will equip us for the present times, right? Then third and finally, it will prepare us for the time to come. So, so, so far, so far we have seen here a couple of things. So far, Paul has given thanks for the church in verse three. And he prayed that they might grow in their own thanksgiving in verse 12. All right. So we got to understand that our lives as kingdom people should always be abounded and filled with thanksgiving. If we don't have anything else, we should have an attitude of gratitude. And how do we do that? Well, it's found in the second point of today's lesson from verses 13 through 20. Basically, we must understand the preeminence of God. The preeminence of God, which is the foundation to which Paul is writing. Because at the time that um, Paul wrote this passage of scripture, the false teachers of Colossae were there trying to deny the importance of Christ. In other words, as one commentator put it, they, sent to, they sought rather to make him prominent instead of preeminent. Let's look at it real quick. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Colossians chapter one, verses 13 through 20. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. Hallelujah. 
the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, here it is, y'all, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, there is no more powerful scripture in Paul's writing to the Colossian church than the verses we just read. Because these verses here speak to the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Let me begin by defining the word preeminence or preeminent so that you will understand what we're talking about. All right. Preeminent, preeminent point number letter A under point number two. Preeminence means one is superior to or surpassing all others. Superior to and surpassing all others. In reference to the preeminence of Christ, Paul is basically showing us that Christ is superior to everybody else because of who he is. And he has surpassed everyone else based on what he does. I want to say that one more time. As it relates to the preeminence of Christ. As it relates to the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of Christ emphasizes that Christ is superior because of who he is. He is Lord. He is Savior. But he is also surpassing because of what he does. If you go back to with me to John chapter three, Nicodemus said, we know that you are a teacher that comes from God. Why? No man can do the miracles that thou does except God be with him. Right? So when we get into the preeminence of God, and we come to prove the preeminence of God, Paul does so in five basic ways, all right? Five ways he deals with the preeminence of God. Number one, letter, uh, letter B under point number two, Jesus Christ is preeminent because of number one, his purchase, his purchase. Look at, look at verses 13 and 14 and you see it. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has delivered us. The word deliver simply means to be rescued from danger. He did for us what we cannot ever do for ourselves. We were in danger because sin had separated us from God. But this deliverance allowed us to be freed, look at it, from the domain of darkness, from the power of Satan. It set us free from the very thing that separated us from God. The very thing that separated us from God, the very evil spirits that seek to control the world. Those things that are trying to pull us away. He is preeminent. He is superior. He is surpassing because he purchased us. And by purchasing us, he paid, verse 14, the redemption fee. Not only did he deliver us, but he translated us. King James Version said, I'm not, I'm sorry, English Standard Version says transferred us. NIV uses translated us. It simply means that we have been moved from one place to another. 
we have been transformed. He released us from bondage only to save us and bring us into a safe place. See, people of God, you got to understand Christ didn't die to save you from sin so you could just do whatever you wanted to do. No, our desire once we accept Christ ought to be to want to know more about Christ. Father, help me to be more like you. Teach me to know more, to want to know more about you. All right. Look, look, it gets it gets better. It gets better. In, in, in verse 14, he does something else. Verse 14 says he has redeemed us. Still under that purchase. He redeemed us. The word redeem simply means to release a prisoner by payment or ransom. All right. Jesus paid our ransom. He paid the, the price to free us. How did he do it? Number two, Jesus Christ is preeminent because of his person. Because of his person. We are freed from the tricks and the traps of Satan by the blood of Christ, which was the ransom fee that was paid on Calvary, thus freeing us from sin and shame. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. We are free. Christ is preeminent. Look at verse 15, because of his person. He is the image of God. Y'all see that? He is the image of God. For by him, all things were created. He is the firstborn of all creation. In other words, the first, firstborn here simply means that he was here before creation was here. There's proof of that in Genesis. He was here before everything else uh, was created. He was named the firstborn. Firstborn uh, means of great importance, of first importance. He was the firstborn of every creature, which means prior to all creation, Christ was on the scene. And Paul uses this to make it clear to us that he is the express, Hebrews 1 and 3, he is the express image of God. Look at this. It gets even better. Look at his person. Verse, four, verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all were created through him and for him. Mm-hmm. He created all things. Genesis 1.26 makes it clear that he says, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make man. He is preeminent for his purchase. He is preeminent for his person. Third thing, he is preeminent for his position. We just read it. He is the firstborn. Right? John 1, John 1, John 1, John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Look at this. And without him was nothing made that was made. He was there. I think about the glory of poetry. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Look at the next phrase. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Christ is preeminent for his purchase. What did he purchase? He purchased us in our sinful nature through his death. He is preeminent through his person. He is the image of the invisible God. He is preeminent because of his position. He's the firstborn over all creation. Amen. Just, just like in, 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 in today's day and time, the pastor's wife is often called the first lady, teachable moment. It has nothing to do with the fact that she is at the church. 
She is called First Lady out of endearment and out of respect for who she's married to. The president's wife, the president of the United States, is the president's wife is called the First Lady. She holds that because of her connection to the president. Amen. He is preeminent. Man, time is flying. He is preeminent because of his position. His position. Look, look, look there at verse uh, uh, 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Look at verse 18. Look at his position. Christ is the head of the body. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. All right? There, there is no one that can come before Christ. You can ask Lucifer that. Lucifer tried it. Nothing comes before God. Nothing comes before Christ. He should be first in our lives as kingdom people. Amen. Nothing and no one should come before him. He's already made it clear. He's a jealous God. And we cannot have any other gods before him. So far, we've covered that his preeminence is in his purchase. His preeminence is in his person. His preeminence is in his position. But now look back at me with me at verse 16. Because according to verse 16, number four, Jesus Christ is preeminent because of his power. His power. Verse 16 says, for by all things, for by him, all things were created. We've seen that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, verse 4. It, everything exists because of him. Mm-hmm. All things are held together, verse 17, because of him. Everything. Without him, we can do nothing. Look at verse 19. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Amen. In him. In him. All fullness. All fullness. The word fullness in the Greek comes from a word that simply means all power. The total sum of power rests in him. Now, this is important as it relates to the reason why Paul wrote to the Colossian church. Because in dealing with false teachers who were trying to water down and diminish the power of Christ, here he lets them know. Even the power of those that are seeking to attack him comes from him. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is preeminent because of his purchase, because of his person, because of his position, because of his power. And I'm going to stop here by looking at verse 20, by dealing with fifth and finally, number five under point letter B. Number five, Jesus Christ is preeminent because of his provision. He's preeminent because of his provision. Verse 20, verse 20, through him, through him. Let me read verse 19 to set it up. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Sin separated us from God, beloveds, and we needed somebody to reconcile or to bring us back into a rightful place with God. Christ solved the sin problem on the cross. Amen. He solved it on the cross. He solved it. I want to say that one more time. He solved it on the cross. Few things I need to point out to us here in this one verse, and then we'll wrap it up. Verse 20 makes it known 
that Christ took care of all things. Since all things were created by him, all things were created for him. He exists for all things. And today he's holding all things together. All right. Why does he have the preeminence? He has all things under his control. Mm -hmm. Through him, we have God's fullness and we have been fulfilled. Or can I do a play on words? Filled full. With Christ, you don't have to add anything. You don't have to take anything. All you have to do is give him the preeminence in your life. Make him superior over your life. Make him more important than anything. Pastor Luther Barnes recorded a song several years ago entitled, I am so satisfied with my savior. He means more to me than anything than this world could ever offer. He must be first. He must be first. Through him, he reconciled to himself all things and he made peace. Look at how he did it by the blood on the cross. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious. I'm done, y'all. Is the flow that makes me whiter than snow. No other fount I know. It is nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so I'm going to stop there. Next week, the Lord shall say the same. We'll pick up with verse 21 of chapter one, and we're going to wrap up this lesson that moves us right into chapter two. And then we will start dealing with, as we wrap up the lesson next week, we'll start dealing with the Colossian heresy that takes place in scripture. I promise you, it's going to be an exciting time as we are beginning to understand how we can become and how we are kingdom people. And so, of course, as always, if you have any questions on anything we've covered today, please take a moment to uh, place those questions in the comment section uh, for uh, this Thursday. We are behind the scenes in both sessions and we'll be more than happy to see your questions and we'll answer them to the best of our ability based upon our study and knowledge of the word of God. Don't claim to know everything, but don't mind sharing what God has allowed me to learn along the way. I thank God for this opportunity and I thank God for this privilege and this chance to share God's word with you. I pray today that this word has ministered to your heart. I pray that you have a greater understanding of what it means to be kingdom people. We are a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ because we have sought out and we've made it up in our minds to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, trusting and knowing that all of the other things will be added unto us. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not give an opportunity as we close today to give someone an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and their Savior. What must I do to be saved? The word of God makes it clear. Romans 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and will believe in your heart that God have raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I want to give you an opportunity right now to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. All you got to do right now is find the comment section, no matter what feed that you're watching, find the comment section. And when you find that comment section, I want you to give me two pieces of information. Give me your name and make a five word declaration. That five word declaration is simply, I want to be saved. Once you make that declaration, we want to ask you to take a moment to jot down this information that now appears on the screen. Text to us, SJMBC Virtual, to the text code of 84576, and we're gonna reach out to you by asking you for some contact information so that members of our ministerial staff and those who work closely with our Church Beyond Walls can reach out to you, offer you guidance, prayer, encouragement, whatever is needed at the time. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Here's the word of God. The day you hear my voice, harden not your heart.
Well, beloveds, I thank God for this chance and for every chance that he gives me. It is my will, but it's got to be the will of God. I look forward to being back with you next week to continue our walk through the word of God. Until such time, stay safe, stay blessed, stay focused, stay faithful. Trust God every step of the way and continue to walk in your development as a kingdom person for the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. God, I pray that everything that I have said, everything that I have shared has been found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. God, as we come to the close of this time together, dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. For without you, God, we're nothing, but with you, all things remain possible. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we give you glory now and always. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, we pray and praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. Continue to have a good rest of the week. Uh, certainly would love to see you if you're in the Rocky Mount area. Would love to see you in worship on Sunday morning at 1030. Come join us in worship. Join us for Sunday school at 915, worship at 1030. We'd love to have you a part of the family here at St. James Missionary Baptist Church. Until such time, be blessed, be safe, and know as always, beloved, we love you all.